0: It's a joy to hear you sing. Well, friends, good morning. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. And as you have been told for weeks now, Pastor Steve is the main pastor guy who preaches the word. He's not back yet. He's still on vacation, but fear not. The darkness is almost over. You will soon have your Pastor Steve back. Next week, he'll, he'll return and we will, uh, we will rejoice to hear the word of God through him. All right, so in business, there's a concept called vision casting. You guys familiar? Vision casting, you, uh, the internet tells me that it is the act of communicating with a clear and compelling vision of the future to a group of people. And the goal is to inspire and motivate them toward a shared goal and so you can do this with your employees maybe you've experienced that meeting the the leader comes in and he's all excited and he has post-it notes or something like that or something more and you're going to hear a vision casting meeting I encourage you honestly to do this with your family Uh, When I the first hit on Google said this, you create a picture, a vision, of what a better world would look like with the help of your product or service, and you pass it on to others, bam, you've casted vision. Or Forbes, in an article in Forbes said, describe your vision in detail as if you are painting a picture with the brightest paints the world has to offer. And so when you're vision casting, what you're doing, is you're putting a goal in people's minds. You paint the picture of what success looks like, and that motivates people to get there. Instead of just doing your job because it's your job, you're doing your job because you see how what you're doing fits into the vision. And so it motivates. Well, as you might imagine, God does some vision casting. God does some vision casting in his word. After Usually this is how it works. After laying down some foundational truth, he'll tell us what to leave behind. This is what you should put off. This is what you shouldn't have in your life anymore. And then he'll paint the picture of the future. This is what holiness looks like. This is what community looks like. This is what redeemed community looks like. And so he paints a picture so that we know what pleases him. We know what to strive for, and that motivates our endurance and obedience. And so as we look to Ephesians 5 today, we see God casting vision for a church, right? This is to the church in Ephesus, and so this is vision for Cornerstone Community Church. And that vision centers around the command, be filled with the Spirit. And so this summer, you and I have looked at illumination, sanctification, adoption, and now lastly, filling, the filling of the Spirit. Let's ask the Lord for help. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the truth in these songs that we have sung. It is a wonderful thing to be your child. And Lord, now we pray again that you would illumine illumine the Scriptures that we might see the truth, that we might be impacted by the truth, that we might be filled by the Holy Spirit, and that you might be further glorified. God, we need your help to speak and to hear. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this morning we are going to follow three headings. They are the Concept, the command, and the community. Yes, I am Baptist. The concept, the command, and the community, followed by application. And so, first, the concept. So, in general, what is the filling of the Spirit? All right, this can be a confusing topic. There are a lot of opinions out there. But let me tell you, first of all, that it is not falling to the ground when someone shakes their coat at you. All right, if you've seen that on YouTube. It is not convulsing on the floor because neither one of those are ever associated in the scriptures with the filling of the Spirit, nor is it to be confused with the indwelling of the Spirit. That's a real thing. That's what God does. He comes to live in us, but that happens at conversion. Filling of the Spirit is something that happens afterwards. Nor is it, and this might be a harder one, nor is it the baptism of the Spirit. You know, in Acts 2, the apostles were baptized with the Spirit. That's what it says. And it also says they were filled with the Spirit. But that is something different. New Covenant believers who are not alive for the transition between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant are not baptized or are with the Spirit. Repeatedly, they are baptized with the Spirit at conversion. If you do have a question about that one, let's chat afterwards, okay? And so, so it's not those things but what is the filling of the Spirit? It is an extremely just general thing, All right? It's, it's a general term for the Spirit's activity and influence from within. It is God active in us to do his will. And so it's, it's super general. God, God just influencing us. God just doing something in us for his glory. Well, let me show you, this is Exodus 31. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name. Ah, man. How do you say that? That one. Say it nice and loud over there. There we go. That. The son of Uri, the son of Hur. I should have. I did this already today. I should have memorized that. All right. Of the tribe of Judah. I have filled, and it says this, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, To work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood. To work in every craft. So what is the filling of the Spirit here in Exodus 31? It is God equipping a man for artistic ministry to work on the tabernacle. Yeah. God influences this man creatively. God wanted a tabernacle, and so he empowered this guy for this Task. See how general this is. Or here's this for Micah, Micah 3.8. Micah says, "...but as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgressions and to Israel his sins." The prophet Micah is filled with the Spirit. He's empowered to preach with power and conviction." God so influences him that he might say the words that God wants him to say with the power that God wants him to say them. That's the filling of the Spirit. Broad range here. Here's a popular one from the New Testament, Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And so the Spirit caused boldness. They needed it, right? They had no money. They had no education. They had no power. And yet God wanted them to change the world. And so God so filled them so that their words, again, would be God's words, that they would be bold in giving them. The filling of the Spirit can result in wisdom to lead, as it did with Joshua in Deuteronomy 34. It can result in joy or even, man, I'm claiming all the fruit of the Spirit. That's only going to happen if the Spirit is causing the fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So this is a, this is a general term. This is, a, this is kind of a vague term, but it is about increasing God's influence upon you. And in fact, you see that in our text we read already. It said, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. And so right there is a contrast between alcohol and being filled with the Spirit. When someone is drunk, we say they're under the what? Influence. Charles Hodge said, men are said to be filled with wine when completely under its influence. So they are said to be filled with the Spirit when he controls all their thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. When he controls all their thoughts, feelings, words, and actions. So this is a broad concept. And Paul's going to specify for us He's going to help us to know how often we should be filled with it, what results we're looking for, even um, how this should be working, but the the concept in general is a very broad one. It just means God is working in you to some end that he has, some ministry that he's doing. So that's the concept. And so then what what we're looking at now is the specific command in Ephesians chapter 5. I do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The, word, the words be filled there are one word in Greek. It's the word plerao as a command. And it means, as you might guess, to, to fill, to diffuse through something. The word is used for filling a fishing net, like a net full of fish, right? That's what they used to do. Or, or fill a house with fragrance. Or, and this is where we get our sermon art. Or filling sails in a ship. And so instead of being filled with wind or fish, we are filled with God. And you can put the next one up there. Because y- you, you guys really want Greek grammar, right? You're just so interested in it. Yeah. All right. Good. Because I know two things about Greek grammar. And so I've got to say them as often as I can so that I look academic. All right. So this is, this is a present passive imperative. That's plerao, that's inflected to be a present passive imperative. So first, notice this is a command. This is an imperative. All right, so like in the New Testament where we're told not to steal, we are also told, commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And to ignore the filling of the Spirit is to ignore the command of God. And one of the things I want to communicate today is that the filling of the Spirit should not be relegated just to crazy off-the-wall kind of churches, we are a Bible heavy church. We love the scriptures, and so we love the command of God to be filled with the Spirit. All right. Next, it is a command. And by the way, that is not in contrast to anything else any other pastors believe, by the way. We're all united in that. All right, secondly, it is present. It is present tense. In Greek, the, the present tense is really called present continuous because it describes a continuous action. So the sail analogy helps us here. Sails are not just filled once and it's like, oh, now this sail's full. Like there's not going to be any more air going through there. No, they need to continuously be filled in order to move. They need to be continuously influenced upon. And so God is not... Uh, commanding us to be filled with the Spirit one time. Again, it's not the Pentecostal Second Blessing thing. With with the Pentecostal Second Blessing thing, once you're blessed, you're kind of on this next level of Christianity and you're on this higher plane. But no, we're supposed to be continuously filled with the Spirit. This is the way of life. This is normal Christianity. And so you can go ahead and write down Be Filled with the Spirit next to your daily to-do list, next to Brush Your Teeth. All right, next to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Next to rely upon God today. And so remember, God is casting a vision. And for the vision of this redeemed community are people that are constantly, consistently influenced by him, in which his spirit is active in them. That's the picture that God is painting. And so it's present tense. It's an imperative. And it is passive. Passive. That's the weird one. It's passive. All right, so that means, as you remember from elementary school, middle school, whenever, I don't know, uh, I had to relearn these things in seminary because I missed them growing up somehow. Um, it's a passive verb. That means that the person doing the action is not you. You know, if, if you're like, if you, you throw the baseball, who did the action? You did. All right, you're set, if, the, if the command is be catching a baseball, you're like, okay, uh, well, be catching. Man, I did it again. If you're being, if you're catching, a, okay, you're still being the one catching a baseball. The baseball was thrown. There we go. All right. Thank you, Heidi. All right, so someone else is doing the action. You're just sitting there receiving the action. You're sitting there ready. All right. All right, and, so, and this is not an uncommon thing in Scripture, because in, you, you have things such as Romans 12:2 in which we are commanded to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. All right, like you're not the one doing the action. You can't, you can't just transform yourself. You don't know how to do that. You can't pull the spiritual levers, and yet the, it is God who's the one who's going to transform you, but you are commanded to be transformed. Or you can think about uh, Ephesians chapter six verse. Ten, It says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But that's not, it's not be strong, it's be strengthened. It's also passive. Right? God has all this strength and you just, you just want it. Right? Be strengthened in the Lord. So it is here. We are commanded to do something that we are not able to do. We must rely upon God's faithfulness. We must rely upon God hearing us because he is the one who fills us. And yet, nevertheless, we're commanded, right? There's something about a receptive heart. Joel Beeke, the president and professor of systematic theology and homiletics at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary, who's uh, preached at John MacArthur's church, he said this, Be filled is a present imperative passive verb. And now you're like, "Woo, I got It's a present imperative passive verb which implies the obligation of all the saints continuously or repeatedly to receive the influence of the Spirit so that he fills them. It is the obligation of all the saints, continuously or repeatedly to receive the influence of the Spirit so that he fills them. We are to receive. You know, How do we go about doing that? How do we lift the sail? Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later because we're following the text here, and the text just doesn't. Thanks, Paul. Um, But we'll talk about the end. And so that is the concept, filling in the Spirit, the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now the community. We have seen that God is calling us to be a group of people in whom the Spirit is active. That's the vision. We have seen that the command itself shows that this is an ongoing way of life, something we cannot do on our own, but that we need to receive. And well, now he makes, he continues to paint his vision of the redeemed community, and he gives us five things, five parts of this picture, five colors if you want to be super creative. And here they are, Ephesians five eighteen b through 21. Be filled with the Spirit. What's that look like? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jason, please give us more grammar. Um, again, I only know two things. Here they are: um, be filled with the Spirit. Here is is the verb, and they are connected. It's connected grammatically to those five parts. All five of those things. All five. Addressing, singing, making melody to the Lord, giving thanks, submitting. That is what being filled looks like. That's that's the goal. That's the picture God's painting. He's he's showing us here what Cornerstone Community Church should look like. And so let's begin here. The first one is, is interesting. It's addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Addressing. That's a little bit weird. You're talking to each other church like you're gathering and you're addressing each other the word is laleo it means to speak it means to make sound with your mouth it can kind of be interpreted as singing like bird song is laleo and so you're talking to one another with song lyrics this is like a yeah it's a musical (laughs) you're talking to each other with song lyrics and so, first, I want you to notice, though, that this can't be done in isolation. You can't address one another by yourself. That's not something that people are able to do. And so, this is a community vision. This is coming together as the body of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Tell us to not... Oh, Sorry, it doesn't say that. It says, To not... Neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so meet together and encourage one another. You meet together, and then you're talking to each other. You're encouraging each other. With what? Well, with the Word of God. But guys, back then, people didn't have a Bible for the most part, and they couldn't even read a lot of them. And so if you're going to encourage a brother or sister in Christ... You can encourage them with the truth that you have memorized in the song. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. All right, this is how they let the word this is one of the ways they let the word of Christ dwell within them richly. They're talking the word of Christ in the songs that they have that they have memorized. You know, it's, these these days <clears throat> I find myself texting scripture to people a lot. All right, I just open my Bible app <clears throat> and then copy and paste And then send, right? So we can do that these days, but they didn't have that. So they addressed one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs so they can get the truth in so that people can be encouraged and built up in Christ, in the Word. Have you guys heard of a book called The Green Ember? Okay, I'm hearing some yeses. So I don't know if this is a big book or not. Uh, My wife has it being read to our children. And so you're in the Green Ember, you're in a world of rabbits. That's the situation here. And, uh, and the main character hears this phrase mentioned uh, a number of times, and the phrase is, it will not be so in the mended wood. In that book, the mended wood is heaven, The m- mended, it's fixed, right? It's like the woods, but it's fixed. So it will not be so in the mended wood. When, when there are people that were going through suffering and trial and difficulty, they would encourage one another by saying it will not be so in the mended wood. And later that character finds out that, it is, um, that that's not just a phrase, but that's actually part of a song. And so in that book, they're encouraging each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, again, Psalm uh, Hebrews ten twenty four, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another as you see the day drawing near. Or well, the verse before that, let us consider how to stir up one another to love in good works. So, my friends, feel free to use the Bible app. You don't you don't need to use song or a paper Bible or something. But the vision that God has for us is to be a a people who encourage one another with the Word. And whom the Word of Christ is dwelling in. People who are obsessed with the Word of God because that's how we see Him. That's what gives us encouragement. And so have your eyes up to minister the truth to others in this room. We have a whole room out there that just exists for you guys to run into each other and talk. And, And not only that, though, we just, we just did this, uh, Michael just led us in a responsive reading. Uh, we're speaking a psalm. Hey, look at that. We're speaking a psalm to one another. This is good. It happened all the more. Um, but thirdly, with addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual song, um, there's this uh, really old dude named Pliny the Younger, ironically. And so he, uh, he's, it's an extra biblical source. Um, so this is like near the time of Christ. And he's talking about the the meetings that these Christians are having, and he refers to antiphonal singing in them. You know what antiphonal singing is? It's where the melody's over here, and then the melody goes over here. It is well, it is well, with my soul. Right? That's antiphonal singing. And so these early Christians and we today, and I didn't even plan it, um, are singing to each other the truth. Again, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is the vision. This is being spirit-filled. When that is in your heart, that's what the spirit is doing in a church. Secondly, on the same theme, singing. That's our next one. So God's vision for Cornerstone is a bunch of people singing together. God loves singing. He loves singing. He does it himself. In, in uh, Zechariah 3.17, he sings. You know, Jesus sings. And I think about Revelation. What, what do all the angels and saints do? They sing. In the temple that, that God planned, right? So he, he made everything the way he wanted it, all right? We have to do our best these days with how he wants to structure church. We, we study ecclesiology and all this stuff. We listen to the Grounded podcast where Steve talks about this stuff. But, he, the, but back then in the temple, God has it all planned out and he has 4,000 people, people employed in the music department. I have a budget request for next year. 4,000 people in just in the music department. That's awesome. There are 400 references to singing in the Bible, and 50 of them are commands. I love that. For example, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, why? For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. We sing because our God's greatness requires it. He is the most amazing, wonderful thing that exists. And so the response, the right response is singing. His very nature means that this must be a part of our lives. And so what, is, what happens in a spirit-filled community? Oh, there is singing. There is singing. And, and that's, he basically repeats himself. Singing and making melody. But making melody to the Lord with your heart first to the Lord. You guys heard of John Wesley? He was a pretty good dude. 1761. So if if you're like, I don't know John, it's it's because he's dead. Um, 1761, a guy named John Wesley wrote some directions for singing. And so here they are. He said, said, sing all. Okay, so all y'all sing. Sing lustily, not like sin lust, but like Loud. Okay, that's the only explanation you'll need. Sing all, sing lustily and with good courage. Beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. (laughs) Yeah, or the other side. Do not bawl so as to be heard above the rest of the congregation, but strive to unite your voices together. Sing in time and do not sing too slowly. That's the same thing, right? But above all, and here's what I'm going for right now. We'll get to half dead and half asleep, but for now, sing spiritually. Sing spiritually. Have an eye to God in every word you sing. So shall your singing be such that the Lord will approve here and reward you when he cometh in the clouds of heaven. Again, have an eye to God in every word you sing. We sing to the Lord. We make melody to the Lord. I think a lot about singing because I do that um, every week. And one of the, just the litness tests or the, just the reminders, one of the things always happening in my mind is, 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 Jason, are you singing to God right now? Are you communicating with him? Is, is, is the eye of your heart focused on him? All right, I want to encourage you, do that. Because if you're like me, you'll naturally just drift. You'll think about other stuff. You'll think about the people next to you. You'll think about whatever. But no, no, no. Sing to him. Heart, are you singing to him? Am I talking to him about these things? Am I saying this to him? We sing and make melody to the Lord. And we do so, Now, kind of the next part, I'm going to go back to John Wesley. We do so with our hearts. This is what the Spirit is doing. What is the influence of the Spirit? What does the filling of the Spirit do? It causes a heart that sings And so we don't want to be like those condemned in Isaiah for honoring God with their lips while their hearts are far from him. We want to sing to the Lord with our hearts. And I'm going to exegete that a little bit, maybe torture it a tad, but I don't think so. That typically would mean loud singing. Right? Our boy John Wesley again said, don't sing if you're half dead or half asleep, as if you're half dead or half asleep. All right, so I, I took the, the job here at worship leader, as worship leader in 2015, I think, and around that time a couple people had conversations with me about how they don't like being told to sing. They don't like the guy up front being like, sing with me, you know, sing louder, all that stuff, and, and I can understand because that could be a guilty thing. You, I, you could be like, you worms, don't you understand the truth, right? You could, it could be uh, a guilt thing. But friends, we should sing loud. You should sing from your hearts. uh, Like Bible-heavy churches, like we are. Bible-heavy churches should have the loudest singing because singing is a response to the truth. We're pouring in the truth on you. You can't get through a worship set without us throwing Bible at you guys, right? And praise God for that. And so may we have the loudest singing. I so desire that you might connect with the Word of God in such a way that I, I can't hear the drums anymore. Like, like it, it's wonderful listening to it as well this morning. I love that. Let's get even louder. The truth is glorious enough. You can see the drum set as a as your competition, and. Uh, Today you got, today, today it was easy, you got. To, you won, but, uh, but Sean will be back. All right, so go ahead and sing loud, friends. This, this is the picture of the redeemed community. This is, this is what God is doing in our hearts as we, as he fills us. Uh, next is, so there's two more of these. Um, the next is giving thanks. So the next, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you might remember that in Romans chapter 1, as humanity's fall is being described, one of the first things that comes up is thanklessness. Right? The creature refuses to thank the creator. Here's Romans uh, 1.21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. God gives us so much in this life and so much in Christ that it is... Uh, a, just a moral truth a moral need to thank the lord It is morally right to do so it is right to give our thanks and praise the old thing says there's a the author slash videographer indy wilson he, he often says that 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 you wake up and walk around inside of a billion dollar set Right, like if Disney was going to make the set, like if, like you're in a movie, if Disney was going to make the set, it would, it, would be, you know, it would have to be really complex. It would have to be really large. And it's like, how did they make that sunset happen? How did they make that bird fly by and be so beautiful? They'd it, have to be pouring money, 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 money into it. But that is your daily life. You walk around in this amazing creation. And not only that, but you walk around as a redeemed child of God, someone whom the, whose sins are washed away by the blood of Christ, who's now a child of the living God. That's it's amazing. And so what does the Spirit make us do but give thanks? Give thanks, give thanks. It kind of sounds, and it says give thanks always and for everything, which we, we, we think like always? Well, I'm, I suffer a lot. No, no, give thanks always and for everything. Count everything. Joy, because all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In fact, all things are working for his glory and are going to show him as glorious. And so that means that Joseph, when he's sold into slavery by his brothers, Genesis, he can thank God for that because what they did for evil, God is doing for good, always and for everything. This is what a spirit-filled person does. I love the way John Calvin talks about this. He talks about the always thankful life as a whole life spent in the study and exercise of praising God. so, So get that. So being thankful, what is that? It is a whole life spent in the study and exercise of praising God. Well, what's he mean? Um, if, you, if you're studying a fish, did you guys study fish in high school or something? I got to dissect a lamprey, which is pretty nuts. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to use a fish because they're a lot less ugly. So you're, you're looking at a fish, all right? You're studying a fish. So maybe you draw it. Maybe you're just like looking at how the scales go. How does it shine? How does it move? You're poking it and stuff like that. You're, you're looking at it from another angle. Like, all right, I'm studying this fish. Well to go along with John Calvin's thing. So you could do the same thing, but with an hour of your life, you can say, all right, look at, oh, look how God blessed me there. And look at this, look how this kind of points to me, to Jesus Christ. Oh, look at this. It's it's a study of your life to the result of thanksgiving and praise. Again, a whole life spent in the study and exercise of praising God. That sounds like a good community to be around, a joyful community giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> all right, so here's where I decide whether I'm going to skip the next point or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I, I didn't, sweet, cool, all right, cool. <laughs> Spark notes version, Sean. Do you guys remember Spark notes? All right, this is the Sean Abrams spark notes version. All right, so, so there's, there's five of these things. There's five of these participles that refer to being filled with the spirit. We wanna know what being filled with the spirit is? Well, here's a description of it. All right, spark notes. Last one, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is not singing. All right, the first one had to do with singing. The second one was singing. The third one was singing. The fourth one had to do with singing. And now the fifth one is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Some commentaries even draw the line and skip this and like move this to another section. But no, we're doing the grammar thing, and grammatically they are linked. And so, we were, so there, it's in this. And so why, why submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ? Well, Christians have learned from Christ to be humble, and so the community built— The community that the Spirit has filled is a humble, content community that that everyone's preferring each other. Even the leaders are serving, right? Think about John 13, washing each other's feet. Paul said, "...have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant." Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul also says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So we are to be a people marked with contentment, marked with humility, even though that's tough. And that's that's the general one. But this, you're going to blame Sean for this, right? We wouldn't have kept going. All right. Um, that's general submissiveness that, that should mark us. But interestingly, surprisingly, shockingly perhaps, Paul then goes on to talk about the authority structures in a home and in, well, in a home, in a community, authority structures. As if to say, and yes, to say, that a spirit filled community embraces these authority structures. The first one is wives, submit to your husbands. Right. Like there, there might be some people, male or female in this room, who, who hate that idea. But you might have found yourselves hating something that God loves. That is a part of being spirit-filled, this preferring others, this putting yourself low, this being content. This it's a part of love and humility. And so God, is, God has given us these structures in the home, husbands and wives and, and parents and children. And he even goes to slaves and masters. In the church, we have pastors and y'all. All right, Sheep, yeah, that's right. That's the right word. Sorry, wife. Um, and so this is, part of, this is part of the picture. This is part of it. These authority structures. So please think about that. There you go. There's your spark notes, Sean. All right, good. Application. So that was that was the concept, being spirit filled. That is the that was the command. It's continuous. It's something that God does. That is the community. This is what we are called to do. What the Spirit is doing. And again, this is not just for, like crazy out there churches. This is for Bible churches. This is for people who obey the Lord. We want to be submitted. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit under his influence, which by the way, does not mean the drunk in the spirit thing. Do I even need to say that? Like, oh, look, they're drunk in the spirit. Uh, there, there are people I've, I've oh, this is such a side trip. I've seen them, like get up and, and preach drunk because they wanted to look like they were filled with the Spirit. And she's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. All right, cool. So, so now, back to how do I actually do this, Pastor Jason? How do I be filled with the Spirit? What do I need to do? How do I, do I, is there a way I can set myself up to receive the filling of the Spirit? How do I put up my sails? How do I draw my anchor out of the water so I can actually get moving? Well, here's four quick things. Very quick things. And... And honestly, I don't think you need this because I think you already know how to be receptive to the Lord. You already know that. Maybe that's why Paul just skips this completely. Be filled, doesn't tell you how to do it, just tells you what it looks like. But here's number one. I don't don't have them on the slide. So be careful to avoid sin. Be careful to avoid sin. It says this. This is the context of Ephesians 5.18. Well, let's look at 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. And before that, he says, don't be, don't be sexually immoral. Don't be covetousness. Go away from the sins. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine. It is no surprise that if we want to be filled with the Spirit, that we shouldn't grieve the Spirit which is a phrase we get just a couple of verses previous to this. All right? If we want to be filled with the Spirit, avoid wicked things, avoid sin. Can we do that perfectly? No, we can't. But we have the cross. We always go to Christ. We are a repenting people. I tell my kids almost every day that there are two kinds of people in this world. People who mess up and run to Jesus and people who mess up and run the other way. Be People who run to Jesus, but be... And try. Try to avoid sin. Be careful how you walk. You already knew that. Secondly, ask. Ask. Jesus says in Luke 11, he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, slam. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is not talking about indwelling. This is not talking about God save me, right? Because this is a a kid asks a father for bread all the time. This is about the filling of the Spirit, and I I can say that confidently because my boy Joel Beeky says, Christ teaches his disciples to ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, like children asking their fathers for food, which suggests regular repeated supply, not a once-for-all endowment. So if Joel Beakey says it, then I can say it. All right? this is, that's about the filling of the Spirit. You ask the Lord. You ask the Lord. Which implies, by the way, that you're surrendered to him. And again, this is easy. Of course. You ask the Lord, I, I want to be filled with your Spirit. I want to please you. I want to surrender to you. God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Thirdly, is be filled with the Word. All right, when, uh, there's a parallel passage. You, you probably know this. There's a parallel passage in Colossians chapter 3. It's parallel to Ephesians 5. And so all the same things happen in Ephesians 5 that happen in Colossians 3, except that instead of be filled with the Spirit, you have let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Those two things are synonymous. And so if you want to be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the word. Be like the Psalm, Psalm 1 guy. And lastly, this is a negative one. Do not see this as a game. Cornerstone, do not insult God by seeking the filling of the spirit as a means of entertainment. You're saying, there's nothing else to do on a Friday night, so maybe I'll seek a charismatic encounter. I have a friend who turned 21 and he started uh, started drinking different kinds of beers and recording in his journal how each one made him feel, how different amounts made him feel different ways for his own entertainment. Well, friends, don't be like that with the spirit of the living God. Don't pray this prayer and see how you feel. Okay, okay, that didn't work. Let me pray this and see how I feel. Oh, let me read this and see how I feel. Let me listen to this sermon and see how I feel. That's not the point. In fact, that's, that's very selfish. That's just doing everything for your own pleasure. But friends, be careful about sin. Ask the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. Fill your life with the scriptures. Walk in obedience to him. And by his grace and by his faithfulness, he will fill you with his Holy Spirit, fill you with joy, joyful praise, with thanksgiving, and with a heart that prefers others. So may God do this among us. He already is, may he do so more. May there be more of the feeling of the Spirit. And may your worship leader smile because you sing loud, because you love the truth, because you love the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help. As always, always we need you. Lord, I pray that those of us who have listened to this, I pray, Lord, that we might know an increased filling of the Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you'd guide us from error, but, Lord, instead that we would be more thankful, that we would walk with you and be led by you, that we would avoid sin and be given greater grace toward sanctification, that we would submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. May, Lord, may we please you and be the kind of church that you desire. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.